There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. So it's hard to believe the whole Israel Folau controversy had that's been bubbling along in the headlines uh, really for the past eight months or so. Well, we've talked a lot about it. Well, there is some very good news for Christians uh, who've been feeling the heat in their workplace or if you're on a sporting team or in a community organization all around the outcome. Yesterday, there was a joint statement released by both parties apologizing for any hurt or harm that they caused each other. A mediation that lasted 12 hours wrapped up yesterday with a confidential settlement. And that means that Rugby Australia has made a payout, reportedly in the range of several million dollars, with some reports suggesting it could be as high as $8 million. Now, you might remember what the controversy was over. Israel Folau posted a Bible verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with the warning that drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists and idolaters, hell awaits you, repent, only Jesus saves. Now, the verse is said to be offensive to homosexuals, though we might say it's offensive to an awful lot more than just the homosexual community because most of us are guilty of some of those issues in the list. Who hasn't told a lie? Who hasn't been drunk? Who hasn't stolen something? Well, some in the Christian community have held reservations about the wisdom of posting such a hurtful and divisive Bible verse. But by and large, Christian leaders have been very vocal about the necessity for the freedom to be able to express a religious opinion or a Bible verse, even if some, or maybe most, might even disagree. And the Folau case will make a valuable contribution to the government's deliberations around religious freedom and the anti-discrimination legislation that they've pushed back now until next year. And then there's the big questions that are still to be answered, like, you know, will Israel Folau be allowed to play rugby again? What are the consequences if Rugby Australia won't allow the best player in the world on the Australian team? There's lots more to come, no doubt. But let's get some insights into some of the thoughts and some of the things that might be uh, bouncing around in the heart and mind of our special guest, uh, Charles Newington from Family Voice Australia, who's joining us. Charles, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. You've terrified me by that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought if we're going to be discussing these things, I might just sort of set in place so that it can remind us why this controversy happened in the first place, because an awful lot of people yeah. don't like Israel Folau uh, because he posted uh, that particular Bible verse. We're reminded that it was a Bible verse, that that verse is in the Bible. It's not going anywhere. 
I heard some uh, I heard some ridiculous commentary early this morning saying, you know, oh, the Bible it's said it's been around for two thousand years. I I I think it's a fluid document and uh, and should be changing with the times. <laughs> well, I think you know, there's such uh, you know, in some sense, uh, stupidity and ignorance that comes from some commentary because the Bible ain't changing any time soon. Anyway, yeah. you, you've been reflecting on these things, Charles. Enough of me. Let's hear from you. Uh, yes, well, I suppose the place to start is to uh, pick up on Falau's hope that uh, now that his dust has settled, the government can get on with enacting legislation necessary to further protect and strengthen the rights to freedom of speech and religion. And he, he said something that is worth quoting. He said, uh, people of all faiths need clear protections to speak openly about their beliefs. It is wrong for them to be silenced by the fear of litigation or lawsuits by activists. And he's correct that the silencing has been going on for some time, hasn't it? You know, that people have been increasingly intimidated uh, by, uh, by the threats uh, that they might be um, taken to court. Well, this fear of litigation and lawsuits, well, that does have a chilling effect, doesn't it? And uh, you are going to think twice before saying anything. But when you're forced to be quiet about your faith, uh, well, then a big controversy arises because when we talk about our faith, we're reflecting truth. Uh, we're reflecting God in the circumstances that we might face today. So, uh, so you know, there's obviously this chilling uh, uh, fear that might come upon you with the idea of litigation or a, a lawsuit. But uh, this whole outcome yesterday goes a long way to say, hey, take a deep breath, breathe a sigh of relief. You can speak openly and freely. Well, in in a way, it does. In a, what it says, if you're a high-profile person like uh, Israel Folau, and um, you run certain risks, you know, because you're a target. But, but at the same time, uh, what this legislation is, or this outcome is saying is that um, uh, anybody who wants to take you on um, needs to really know their stuff because uh, it, it, it's a complicated fight. But the draft legislation that was proposed by the Attorney General only provides limited protection to uh, a, to a person, a Christian person, or a, some person of faith in companies with turnovers of more than 50 million. So that's what the Act is covering. It's those big companies, uh, and that only applies if um, it can be demonstrated that the statement, in this case, for our statement that you've talk, talked about, if they, if it could be demonstrated that it had made no di- difference no financial impact upon the com- company of any significance. So it does if, still, if, it does still leave certainly at risk anyone who's employed in a small business, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, because an ordinary person in a small business, there's nothing to protect them. Um, yeah, in this legislation. However, if you're employed by a big business or government. Uh, or you know larger uh, sectors in the uh, in industry, uh, there is a certain sense in which uh, an activist will probably think twice now before they uh, take out some sort of uh, legal uh, action against you in those because there is at least now some precedent here, Charles. Well, in a way, but in another way, what they've done is they've defined the rules by which. Um uh, the you know the activist has to operate. The activist has to operate in such a way as to ensure that the outspoken Christian has done something that created financial harm to the company. 
and they can do that by, you know, I won't give them any suggestions, but I'm sure that you can think about ways in which they could uh, damage the reputation of the company, etc., and uh, or a sponsor. And if that was the case, the, the company's size that we're talking about, 50 million and over, they'd be well able legally to fund, you know, to fund a legal argument to the effect that the person had in fact damaged their their value as a company. And um, so it's 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 a sort of a you know a, 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 a two-edged sword that we've got here. But nevertheless, what it is is it's kind of a statement that's being publicly read as a, a, a kind of a, a signpost. You know, it's a piece of paper uh, attached to a fence uh, 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 quite a long way from a cliff saying, there is a cliff over there, don't fall over. You know, it's, it's that kind of, it's a bit of a paper tiger rather than something that's really got teeth. Charles, what did you make of the apology? And it was a reciprocal apology. It came from both sides. Uh, neither side saying they intended to harm each other. Uh, what did you make of the apology? Well, if you look at it in, against the background of the whole long um, uh, stoush, as it were, you know, it, it's, a, it's certainly um, something to to warn us all that when we face a, a ding-dong like this, um, that we could sit down, count to ten, take a bex, sleep on it, and then in the calm light of day, outside of the glare of the cameras, um, ask the proper questions. What were you really saying? Um, you know, what did you mean to say? What you said made me feel like I was being attacked. Is that what you really meant to do? You know, these were normal kind of questions that we ask when we're actually trying to bring about a resolution to resolve the conflict. Um, and it seemed like what happened was the moment the issues were out there, because they went out in social media, bang, the whole thing exploded and it was all over the media and there was no time to recover. And, um, uh, and so the whole thing got way, way, way out of proportion. And, um, and, and I think that we have to realise that social media has that... It has that influence, that impact upon statements. It just amplifies them. It just bangs them out there and, and stirs up all sorts of emotion. And we have to we have to learn how to manage social media in a much better way than we do. Social media uh, is the big challenge here, isn't it? Because ordinarily, if you had had a dispute, uh, you might not have picked up the phone to the lawyers straight away. You might have picked up the phone to someone who could be a you know a sensible level-headed, middle-ground uh, conciliator uh, who might have been able to help you through that and, and, and to ask those questions that you were saying. You know, did you really intend to say that? Uh, were you trying to be oh. offensive? I mean, there, but social media mix that into there and it becomes a public issue and then the, the lawyers are instantly needed. So there's, there's a challenge there, isn't there, for, for people who might be mediators or some, somewhere in the middle. Yes, I, I, I think also, uh, you know, I, I say that, the, that what social media has done is it's dismantled the wall, it's collapsed the wall between the public and the private world. And uh, people are taking photographs of the privacy, in the privacy of their bedrooms and making statements that just happen in a private situation, but they're posting them. And once it's out there, all of a sudden, their soul is laid there for all to spit on or stamp on. You know, it, 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 we, we're not ready for this, the kind of... The, the, you know, the capacity of social media just is far in excess of our normal social interaction. And I almost think we, 
we have to kind of develop some special rules about things uh, that are related to social media and help people to be educated about carefully, uh, speaking carefully, uh, because social media is a trap for not just young players, but for the uh, for the unwise. I've, I've quoted, thinking about, uh, you know, Dante um, Alighieri's uh, book, of, um, uh, uh, The Divine Comedy, and that in his section on Inferno, he writes of the inscription over the gates of hell, famous inscription, just about every one of the heroes will, remind, will remember it, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. And I kind of, um, in a sort of a cheeky way, think it would be good for something. Don't do this, please. It's just an idea for somebody to crack into Facebook and Instagram's uh, uh, homepage and, and graffiti on the homepage, abandon hype, all ye who enter here. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, because they intend to make an ass of you and to rake in millions, millions of dollars at your expense. Because those are the people that benefit. You know, social media as an engine, it benefits because... Everybody uses it. Everybody gets in on the spouse. Everybody's got an opinion. And the advertisers rub their hands and saying, look at all these people that are ready to look at my products or yes. whatever. So, you know, we've, just got, to real, real, we've got to realize that, that there's kind of a, an economic and a social and a political imperative that, that's using all, all our tragedies and mistakes to its advantage. Yes, well, uh, there's always somebody waiting in the wings on every controversy to make a dollar. And as you say, there is an industry around all of this now. So uh, don't expect any time soon that things are going to die down. Coming back into uh, this apology that was issued two ways yesterday, uh, your thoughts, Charles, where Rugby Australia... While they've said sorry, didn't mean to cause you any harm, and uh, Israel Folau saying, you know, the reciprocal. Uh, but Rugby Australia, as I understand it, uh, saying that uh, he wouldn't be playing rugby in Australia ever again under the current administration. Uh, what were your thoughts about uh, about <laughs> Rugby Australia and making that sort of comment? Because that doesn't uh, that doesn't sort of show any genuine uh, sorry no. in there, does it? No, it doesn't. It, it, they didn't actually kiss and make up, did they? No. no. They, they've made this public statement, a statement that is in fact defining, you know, hoping that, the, that this will all go away now and, and sort of de defining their positions legally now. But they, uh, but um, but th th there has not been, a, you know, a kiss and make up situation because I think the public, there's a lot of the rugby public that would be saying to themselves, so why can't we watch him? You know, I mean, he's 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 one of the reasons you go to watch rugby, um, and um, there'd be a lot of people that'd be unhappy with that. Now, I, I I make the point that I feel that in one way that when they when they say that the, that he won't be playing rugby in Australia again under this current administration, <laughs> it's like they are walking backwards toward their own precipice. I know that's right. <laughs> Isn't it amazing yeah. that, you know, if you think of cricket for a moment and, you know, we had Steve Smith and Dave Warner out of the game uh, for that 12 months over that whole uh, ball tampering controversy and the way that you weren't really attracted to watch the Australian cricket team in the same way that you were when the star players were playing. And uh, somewhere in the back of the thinking of Rugby Australia, they have to have that thought Without Israel Folau now on the team, uh, there's a little bit of uh, a gloss and shine and sparkle that's missing from Rugby Australia. What What are your thoughts about uh, about you know somehow or other you know if the current administration is walking back towards that precipice, uh, precipice perhaps uh, perhaps a new administration might be needed to actually get him back on the team. 
Yeah, I think for those of us who watched the World Cup, you know, the Rugby World Cup recently, um, there were, uh, I could almost feel the, the rugby uh, zeitgeist sort of uh, on on several occasions thinking, oh, if only Salah was here now. You know, there were so many moments when we needed somebody who had penetration power, you know. But anyway, uh, that's um, that's something that, uh, that they'll work out and uh, we watch this space. We haven't heard the end of it yet. <laughs> uh, well, we're basically running out of time and still so much to talk about. Uh, you've been conscious that there are lots of reasons for Christian believers to be on our knees and mm. uh, out publicly on the streets. Uh, just a couple of minutes Really, if we stretch our time a little here, Charles, uh, what are the sorts of things you think, as listeners to our conversation today, uh, be prayerful about? What are your thoughts? Yes, well, there was a fascinating and troubling article uh, about Facebook, and uh, we spoke last week about the size of the online sector that, uh, uh, that that's taking advantage of the exploitation of children. And David Swan reported that a number of former contractors who worked for companies whose job it was to find and remove abhorrent material from Facebook. So that was, they had this separate company, and it, this was not a small task. When this man was working on it some, a few years ago, the company employed 15,000 people to try to keep Facebook clean. And some of these people are suing Facebook because they had absolutely no idea when they were hired what they would have to look at and what they'd have to deal with. And there was just simply so much horrifying material being posted um, about, you know, particularly children, the exploitation of children. And uh, their complaint was that Facebook didn't provide adequate support for them, which it's now saying that it's doing all it can now to try to do that and to employ technology. But the thing that's, one of the things that struck me was that he gave the significant detail of the industry. He said that there is someone in a former Soviet state right now working as a lighting technician on a child porn shoot that was probably commissioned by someone 5,000 miles away. And this characterizes the reality that poor nations are so often doing the dirty work of the rich nations. They're producing the porn, they're trafficking the, prost- trafficking the prostitutes, and they're manufacturing the drugs that are used in the rich nations. And to use the word that got Falau into a bit of trouble, the nature of our repentance is to recognize that this is what's happening in our societies. And it may not be happening in our home or in our church, but it's happening in our cultures and on our watch. And it's a, it's a reason why Christian people are to be praying and to be working for change in the culture, uh, so that there's no market, you know, for these dehumanising crimes against humanity. This is part of our mandate as God's people in the nation. We're not just here to run nice, cosy, comfy churches. We're here to change the culture. And so, when people ask, you know, why Christians got so involved in things like the Falau case or whatever, you know, and what we're in a sense doing is we're, we're reacting to the sexualization of our society and we're not getting it right all the time and I don't think that Israel Falau really got it right. But instinctively what he's doing is he's speaking for the Christian community that's saying we've got to stop this, the sexualization of our society that's resulting in the exploitation of children and of women and all sorts of terrible things and it's creating things like huge industries like the drug industry that's so much a part of that stuff. This has got to be stopped somehow. And there is a cry here. There's a cry here that hasn't yet been processed. And what I'm encouraging us to do is to start to process that cry on our knees first and to get before God and say, oh, God, you're right. Lord, this is terrible stuff that's happening in our culture and our society. What, how, how does this matter to you? How should it matter to us? And what do we do about it? 
Because, you know, we can spend a lot of time pointing our finger at the people that we think are the daddies out there. But, uh, you know, look at the prophets, how they identified with their culture as a whole, you know, and they, and they pray prayers on behalf of their whole nation. They may not have committed those sins themselves, but they realized that their society, they, were, they had unconsciously permitted and not contained and controlled and restrained the well, kinds of things that were so damaging to the world. Well, Charles, always appreciate your insights and a challenge there to pray and act. And what I can hear is you say those things as an encouragement. It's the action that comes from the love of God, uh, exactly. which is going to make the difference. And that's why you would stand up and be counted on behalf of the exploited or on behalf that's of right. uh, those who are being sexualized or those who are off on a tangent. Uh, let me point people to the website, familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington is the, uh, is the chief, the national director of Family Voice Australia. Family Voice .org.au to connect with Charles, to check out the resources, uh, to uh, to uh, check on some of the latest content they have on the website, familyvoice.org.au. Charles, thanks for your insights again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.